0: What's up, weirdos? Hey, everybody, welcome to Way Too Weird. This is the podcast where we talk about our weird ass universe. <laughs> I'm Annie B. I'm Sarah. All right, guys, this is episode seven. Can't believe it. We are in it. Crazy. We're going to go ahead and start off as we always do
1: with what's weird with you? Sarah, what's, what's going on? What, what's happened
0: to you since we sat down
1: last? Right. So, this, I don't know if this counts, this didn't happen this week. It was a few weeks ago. Then I don't want to hear anything about it. <laughs> I'm going to ignore you. Um, Tell you anyway. A few weeks ago, we recorded that episode on chakras. You yes. were present for that. Yes. Yes,
0: I was in the room.
1: Cool. I told a story about one of my brothers giving me a crystal healing ceremony. Mm-hmm. You recall? I do. Oh, like It felt like I opened up my third eye. You know, I did. Yeah, that was wild, wild sensation.
0: You just had like this explosion. Of- it was like
1: tingles, tingle, tingle, tingles on my right on my forehead, right on my wow. throat. So wow. that was wild. So I told that story to you. And then I went home. And checked my phone, mm-hmm. I had to leave my phone at home that day because I had dropped it in the bathtub the night before.
0: I remember this, and I remember thinking what a bold choice <laughs> to hold a phone in a bathtub. I was living large, yeah, you know? I was really trying to large. have it all, yeah. yeah,
1: so I was uh putting my phone in the um you know bowl of rice as you do mhm, and uh, so I went home after we recorded, and I checked it, and I have two messages from that brother. And we don't talk every day, so mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, what's up? What's what's Tom doing?" And he was like, "Yo, sis, I'm in town. Do you want another crystal healing ceremony?" Oh, and that was the same day that wow. we had recorded. Wow, so interesting. That's and so I get the crystal healing cer- ceremony done, and I tell him this, and he was—he didn't react that big. He was like, "Wow, it's almost like we're related or something."
0: What does that mean? Because he has like the same experience or I don't know, like
1: the blood connection or something. Interesting. He knows so it was so I don't. just like, yeah, I know. He was that's like, why of I course, honestly, he was like, yeah, of course that makes sense.
0: Yeah. He's like, I wouldn't have wasted my time messaging you, getting together with you, getting all these crystals.
1: Yeah. If it I didn't was, think it, it was worked. pretty cool. Um, it was kind of like a, I think it was a, it was like an ac- life activation thing, Whoa. like a protection thing as well. I didn't feel as, um, It didn't so much have, like, crystals on me, so Mm -hmm. I wasn't feeling as much the way I did the first time. But, yeah, you know, it was cool nonetheless. And I'm thankful he wanted to share that with me.
0: That's really sweet. And, yeah, funny timing. And I was thinking about you yesterday because – have well, okay, so it's, like, five degrees in Louisville today. Louisville. In Louisville. And – so I've been held up in my house for a bit, just refusing to go outside. That's the great thing about it's not fair. having a dog in my life right yeah. now is I can just be indoors yeah. and not have to sitting, go outside for a I've while. If a dog
1: sitting, it's rough. Yes. Unintended. Well, <laughs> yuck, 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 yuck,
0: yuck. So yesterday I was like, you know what? I should probably like move my body. <laughs> a
1: Overrated. Like, yeah,
0: like maybe just pace around or do something. <laughs> so I decided to stretch because I had claimed, you asked me in one of these episodes, do you do yoga? And I was like, nah, I don't do yoga, but I'll put on like meditating music and I'll stretch and you're like, that's yoga. And anyways, I felt like a fraud because I realized I hadn't done that in quite a while. So saying that I do that was just like, look, you're doing it.
1: You're doing it. And that means you're doing it. So I did
0: do it yesterday. I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I said I do it. So let me just go ahead and actually do it and i put on some tibetan bowl music which i i actually have the playlist going on that anyways because it helps me when i'm trying to concentrate on nice computer stuff um so i lit my candle i did all the things and i swear to you and i this i feel so like cheesy saying this but whatever it's reality it's reality to the point where i was like saying out loud write this down Don't forget this because it was like really happening. So I stretched my body, whatever. Then I came to that mind portion where I was like, okay, I feel like my body's come to a certain point where I'm all nice and stretched out. But now I'm going to really kind of try to focus on meditating and like really working with these frequencies coming out of the Tibetan bowls. And – Long story short, I had a vision like behind my eyelids. You know, do you like see colors behind your eyelids? I
1: have movies going on behind my eyelids. Okay.
0: I don't, but I see colors and can have like, Im- you know, images, but nothing really concrete. But I definitely see colors. And all of a sudden, like, I, I just it hit this one frequency and I could just kind of feel it resonate through me. And you know what, I, you know what it looked like? It was like that combination between purple and pink that you see if like this is so specific fuchsia fuchsia is the word yes fuchsia is the word but do you know like in a pool like when you have rotating colors in a pool or in like a hot tub or whatever when it hits that purple it hits that fuchsia where like some of the ripples are purple and some of the ripples are pink that for some reason always stands out to me as like my favorite little combo and that was going on behind my eyes and then it turned a deeper purple and then i swear to god I saw an eyeball like it was like two triangles with the circle in the middle and it got more and more purple and then as I start stretching it then starts going through other colors but I just thought that was really interesting because what isn't the third eye kind of hitting that purple area with the chakras wasn't that so the color? remember
1: remember the colors aren't based on anything Right. I think they're just like a a visualization cue. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I would be interested to find out would be, remember on the, the science-y portion of things, they were doing deep tissue massages and they had an aura reader mm-hmm. uh, observing and writing down her notes. I would be interested to see like what frequency aura yes. you were seeing because that was the that was the um the consistency wasn't with you know location it was with vibration and wavelength those mm-hmm. were the colors she was seeing mm-hmm. it's like, oh so my gosh associated
0: with wavelengths yes that would be so interesting
1: we should but, look at that more on the aura then again you know if you have an association in your mind with like a certain color being a certain chakra like who's to say that's not exactly right what subliminally it, it could yeah. uh,
0: could come down to that truly Interesting. Anyway, so I thought about that. I thought about you and the whole, you know, crystal experience that you had when very I cool. was stretching yesterday. That's very weird. Mm-hmm. That's one of the weirds. But you have another. I weird. have another weird. Let's go. Yeah, let's go for real. So something super exciting happened with me and my family, which is that uh, my father got um, one of the ancestry tests, and it came back that we have a like I have a cousin a long-lost cousin that we didn't know about he has a niece
1: welcome to the family
0: welcome to the fam for sure like we're super pumped so as you all know my name is Annie Annie B Annie Burridge I actually my uh, given name is Anne and while family and friends have called me Annie my whole life out in the world, uh, you know, most, mostly people refer to me as Anne, especially in a job um, mm-hmm. environment. So my entire life, people have thought my name was Amber Ridge instead of Anne Burridge. That makes sense. And I mean, tell you, it's been chasing me my whole life. Annoying, right? So annoying. And I was working at this... Uh, mortgage company and the amount of times that I told people my name was over the phone and then they repeated back to me where they're like, okay, thanks, Amber. Yeah. So I hit a point where I was just like, that's it. No more. I'm going with Annie. I cannot handle being called Amber anymore. So I officially switched my name to Annie and have been going by that ever since. So now that we find this long lost cousin, her name is Amber... What get this? She doesn't have the last name Burridge. No, totally randomly, her last name is Goodridge. So, Amber Goodridge. I had to get rid of Ann Burridge, Amber Ridge, so that we can make room for Amber Goodridge. That is so strange. That's what I'm thinking. I think that's what the universe did. It was like, hey, we're gonna have another Amber involved here, it's gonna get really confusing. Yeah. I already know that you don't really like being called Anne, so let's just go ahead and make you Annie so that's Amber funny. Goodridge can come into the picture.
1: You guys, do you look like?
0: I think we do. I can see certain aspects.
1: That's, that's so cool.
0: She and I, I think, look more like my dad's mother than anybody else that Very cool. in our family. And this is my first time kind of like seeing that and noticing that because she passed away before I was ever born. So seeing somebody who kind of looks like my grandmother, yeah, and we have like a freaky amount of things in common too. Like we're both artists, animal lovers. She fosters dogs. Everything. She's. We talked on the phone yesterday, and I'm just so super excited about getting to know her. But yeah, good old Amber Ridge.
1: Amber Ridge. Amber Goodridge. Amber Goodridge.
0: That is so cool. So that's my weird. Too weird. Too way too weird. All right. So today's topic, we're going to be talking about tulpas. Say what? Tulpa. And a tulpa, you know, it's a term that at least in the paranormal world, ends up being a bit of an umbrella term. Totally. It's hard to um, nail down one specific definition. I'm going to try, though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'll try also, but I think as we both try, it'll become more and more apparent that it's like, okay, is this one? Is this one? I think the answer will just be yes altogether because – there is not a lot of language yeah. for a lot of these ideas. Exactly. Um, but regardless of the language, it is all super interesting. Definitely. And as I've asked people about it, like a lot of people don't know about this. Mm-mm. So I'm excited to put it out there more.
1: Yeah. No, it's very fascinating. Um, so I went to a couple of places to learn about this, but I started on the subreddit of Tulpas. Okay. Which is a really interesting place because they are practicing mansi which is a mancer is someone who is creating tulpas. Yeah. So there's this whole community of people who are like sharing their experiences. And so
0: they're, they are successful in creating them.
1: I mean, yeah. supposedly. Yep. So according to the subreddit tulpas, a tulpa is a mental companion fo- created by focused thought and recurrent interaction, similar to an imaginary friend. However, unlike them, tulpas possess their own will, thoughts and emotions allowing them to act independently it's still in their head though at this point though right right so it was my understanding that like it's within your head, but they have their own thoughts. Like it's apart from you. Mm-hmm.
0: So, just like a, almost like a different personality, well, like multiple personality. Well, that's type interesting of thing. that you
1: say that because, yes, there's a lot of dissociating and meditation mm-hmm. that's involved in the creation and structuring of a tulpa, And when you're talking about, um, you know, DID, dissociative identity disorder, or like schizophrenia where they have auditory and visual hallucinations, mm-hmm. um, just right on the FAQ of the subreddit for Tulpas, it, it answers that. Okay. And it says that, no, it's not the same. That those are disorders characterized by clinically significant distress, dysfunction, or danger Schizophrenia is a breakdown in perception of physical reality and consistency that has strong genetic influences mm-hmm. and does not always involve hearing voices. DID is a dissociative disorder typically caused by a child trauma. Neither disorder is self-inflicted. Okay. And we recognize them as very different experiences from Tulpa creation. That's a direct quote from their FAQ. Okay. And then they offered the metaphor- um, not really a metaphor, it's just like straight up little comparison, I guess. The experience of having tulpas, it's much more accurately likened to the experiences of f- fiction writers whose characters come to life and begin talking to them. Oh. In fact, a great number of tulpa creators have formed tulpas this way. Wow. I mean, you think about it, you're making, a, I mean, I've never really written fiction, but I'd imagine you're... Trying to iron out all parts of their personality, their quirks, their likes, their dislikes, their mm-hmm. dreams, their secrets, you know, how they think they are versus how they really are. Right. You're really getting all of these details. It makes sense that you would be like, even unconsciously, like meditating on it. Right, right. You know? no. Well, it sounds on one
0: part really annoying to have like some highly developed made up character following you around your head for the rest of your life. Yeah. But then also like a a kind of a superpower to have a different perspective. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe it just helps bring more clarity to
1: somebody. Definitely. And when I was looking at Wikipedia, there was this study done by this guy named Vessieri. And, um, you know, he was looking at a similar web-based community i don't remember if it was on 4chan or reddit but basically his findings suggested that it greatly improved the quality of life of these people that they had been experiencing loneliness and that it curbed that loneliness even if they weren't even if there wasn't an increase in physical interaction with people Mm -hmm. the presence and the practice of tulpa their tulpa tulpamancy was definitely decreasing their loneliness
0: Do these people ever have feelings towards their tulpa? I'm
1: sure. Romantic feelings, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, So in this study with Vessieri, it was, I think he was, specifically the group he was studying were bronies or, you know, adult, adult males who are fans of My Little Pony.
0: Oh! Oh my God, that is like... So they were... I cannot believe that that word actually means what it sounds like. That's yes, hilarious. That's exactly what it sounds
1: like. So they were creating tulpas of some of the characters. Okay. So within that, I think, yeah, they did find that a certain portion of the people were having, you know, romantic interactions. And that also, because it is a community you know these people are sharing their experiences that it was looked upon as taboo that it oh, was yeah. not condoned it was frowned upon That sounds like kink shaming to me yeah it's like it's happening in your own mind but even still Like, people within the community are like, that's not okay.
0: Well, I mean, I've heard things about people having, like, ghost husbands and, like, relationships with ghosts. And one of the things that I'll be going into today is, like, okay, well, what
1: is a ghost? And can a tulpa explain that? Perhaps, you know. um, I want to get a little bit into the Wikipedia side of things because it gets a little more into the origins. Okay. So, uh, the word tulpa comes from Tibetan Buddhism, and it's the materialization of thought or a thought form. So you might hear it called that. And okay. I don't I don't mean T-H-O-T thought, like that hoe over there. Oh, I know, yeah, I know yeah, that's yeah. what you jump to. Right, right, right. But I mean like the kind of thought that you think. Thanks yeah. for clarifying. For sure. So the idea is through intense concentration and or spiritual practice, your thought comes into being. Um, it's typically a human form, but like we were saying – those bronies are making these little ponies come to life um so from from the tibetan buddhism teachings a tulpa is an earthly body a buddha manifests Mm. in order to teach those who have not yet attained nirvana Mm. and in this case a buddha just means awakened like someone who has reached nirvana right um so i thought that was really cool like a tulpa is there to teach you
0: it's almost like a like a spirit guide or a guardian angel or something. Yeah, you know when people say that they go into the astral realm and they visit with some sort of guide. Like, okay, well maybe well, that. tulpa, you year. don't even
1: have to get there. It's yeah, just
0: with you, it's just with you. You mm-hmm. don't have to go anywhere. They come
1: to you. Also, I thought this was interesting. Um, tulpa mancers consider them to be more psychological than paranormal. Mm, You know, and and I think that that's
0: definitely something to say. I I don't think this topic, I mean, certain parts of it definitely weave in and out of paranormal, but a lot of it, it comes down to just the human psyche and really interesting things that we can do subconsciously.
1: So on the coattails of tulpas, have you ever heard of an egregore? I have not. An egregore? An egregore. No. I that. It's spelled not heard wild. Spelled like a crazy looking Eeyore with a couple of Gs in there. <laughs> it, Do you cre- want to just spell it out? E-G-R-E-G-O-R-E. Okay. Egregore. Okay. Um, yeah, that's new for me. Yeah, it was new for me until I researched this. So it came up while I was looking at tulpas. So my, my most basic understanding is that an egregore is a thought form created from the collective mind of several individuals also referred to as a collective entity so while a tulpa is from one mm. an egregore is from many Ooh, this is going to be a good word for me for my portion yeah for sure so the name just some background it comes from the book of enoch which is part of the Bible that was taken out. Conspiracy. Mm -hmm. It's conspiracy.
0: Yeah, I want to know who, what,
1: where, and when. I know, right? So the Egregoroi were angels that kept watch over mankind. They were called the Watchers. Um, I think they were part of the fallen angels that chose mankind over, like, God's will. Whoa. Yeah. Looking again at Wikipedia, Egregore are spiritual entities that feed off of the thoughts and energy of a unified multitude while also having their own lives and agency apart from the group members. Hmm. Basically, if a whole group of people are believing in this one thing, this one entity, all of that is feeding it energy and making it stronger. Mm-hmm. It got me thinking, like, does that mean that... In a way, and this isn't to be subversive or anything, but does that mean that religious figures are a type of egregore?
0: well i okay, so I was kind of surprised that you that it went straight into talking about the Bible and angels and things because it's like, okay, well, if one if everybody's thinking that these angels exist,
1: angels and are they making aliens, them exist? whatever it is whatever it is yeah, so these these religious figures, like Jesus and Mary and all that like regardless of their historical presence there are millions if not billions of people mm-hmm. actively devoting their energies to them right now right doesn't that make them an egregore i would think so by definition yeah no. so that was my basic understanding of tulpa's and egregore's
0: that is so interesting and confusing and overwhelming i know it's something that yeah i feel like i have to just marinate on
1: that for
0: a long time. And I think
1: what you said earlier about it being like an umbrella term, because there's not more language about it, Mm -hmm. really applies because it's very murky.
0: Well, and if something is by definition just living inside of your head, like how do you, yeah, finding ways to talk about that. I mean, that's where like the world of woo comes from. I was just thinking about this today because somebody was talking about um astral projection and you know they're like whoa you really gone on the deep end with woo and i'm just like man i'm I, th- that word like what does that mean for something to be woo and i think it really just comes down to like can you see it in front of you or mm-hmm. can you not
1: right at a certain point that's a that's a really good uh breakdown of it i like that So, Annie, you've brought some science to the table today,
0: huh? I have. I'm going to be going over an experiment that has fallen largely into obscurity, but it's incredibly interesting. And I think a lot of folks in the paranormal world do know about this, but we need to bring it to the masses.
1: Bring it back. Let the people know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to be discussing the Philip experiment. Awesome. Do you know about the Philip experiment? No. Let me tell you about it. Please. Let's give you the who, what, where, and when, and just hang with me because this goes off the rails. I'm hanging.
1: I'm gonna hang loose. Okay. okay.
0: So the Philip experiment was conducted by um, a person named Doctor A R G Owen and his wife Iris Owen. Okay, so his name is Arg. Yes.
1: <laughs> Ar- like like John Arbuckle and Garfield.
0: Arg. I think so. I mean, I think that's where they got it from. Yeah. yeah. A little bit about their background dr owen let's just go with dr owen better yeah. he was yeah. the chief parapsychologist researcher in uh, the toronto society for psychical research and he was also the president of the cambridge university society for psychical research from 1967 to 1970 so very well renowned and one thing that i Never really considered as like psychical research um, and parapsychology. In my head, I was always like, "Oh, that's paranormal." But no, really, what they're doing is just exploring the capabilities of the human and mm. and their psyche. You know what what are we mm-hmm. really capable of?
1: Yeah, it's like the parts of the brain we don't understand.
0: Right, right, right. So very cool. In 1961, Doctor Owen he traveled to Scotland to interview some witnesses of a poltergeist uh, event that had occurred to this uh, this Irish family that was living there in this house that was basically haunted. They were having disturbances of anomalous rapping sounds. The furniture was moving. It really does
1: sound like Snoop Dogg's just hanging out in the background. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> what anomalous? was that? What did I just hear? D L double g <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Like, Snoop. Uh,
0: So, the people who were witness to this were an 11 year old girl, um, other family members, neighbors, a local vicar, a doctor, a school teacher. All of these people were observing and and, um, acknowledging these poltergeist activities. So, Dr. Owen got wind of this. He went to Scotland, interviewed everybody. And basically his conclusion was that he found their reports credible and concluded that hallucination and hoaxing were not viable explanations. But he also found no reason to attribute the phenomenon to discarnate agency, such as the spirit of the dead. Like he had no reason to believe that it was something coming from an another source other than i see these people who are experiencing it right you know right but truly
1: he doesn't know what it is right he doesn't know what he's not been able to he's he's like this isn't a hoax this is really happening i don't know what it is but it's probably not that yes exactly right right that's what he came away with And,
0: and you know he's a scientist he's trying to just be logical about everything um, yeah, but he did write a book in 1964 called Can We Explain the Poltergeist? So again, it's pretty much him going into is this poltergeist activity coming from us versus from some other person or realm That's that we That's a really interesting see.
1: perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're unconsciously doing it. Exactly. Cool.
0: So that led into the Philip experiment. Dr. Owen and his wife, Iris Owen, They were just kind of talking about all of this and they said, you know, what if we got a group of people together and created a character, created our own ghost, in essence. DIY ghost. Exactly. So, um, sounds like an egregore. So then, right, right. So we'll get everybody together and we're going to create this idea of a person and then we're going to see if we can then conjure that person. Mm. And a few things happen to go into that. So can we both create the story of somebody and then have interactions with that character that we created. Hmm. In essence, they want to prove that it's not coming from a real dead person
1: mm-hmm. because so, this is again a, a made up character.
0: Right, right. So the whole thing is they want to make sh- they want to prove that the information coming back to them from the poltergeist or the spirit right, activity the quote unquote or whatever. Unquote. Right. right. So they want to see is that information coming back to us, is it something truly, you know, I guess you would just say paranormal, mm-hmm. or is it something that we are creating in our minds? Does that make sense? Yes.
1: So it's more um yeah, how topomancers consider topos to be more psychological than paranormal. So they're right. kind of trying to prove that.
0: Yes. Yes. Right. Right. So The way that they decided to go about this was to get a group of people together who specifically have not had any um, experiences of being mediums. So, so nobody who has any mediumship powers who could, you know, inadvertently actually tap into Mm -hmm. uh, communication with a deceased person. Sure. They also wanted to come up with a character that was so fictional that there's no way it could be confused with or or happen to overlap with some of the qualities and identities of a spirit that might actually be there so they're really kind of putting a lot of stock in it's like okay like we're really going to take the deceased spirit idea seriously and acknowledge that we could be doing this experiment in a room where there is a spirit and Mm -hmm. so If that's the case, just scientifically to make sure that that is completely ruled out, let's make sure we don't have anybody here who would, you know, accidentally pick up on this spirit information, but then also any info coming through, we can, we know it's not going to overlap really because these are going to be like his history is going to be so odd. So I want to tell you about his history. This fake fake history. Yes. Gotcha. And let me say, too. So these are the folks that they landed on um, who took part in the Philip experiment. So there were eight people, one of which was Iris Owen. And then they had uh, Margaret Sparrow, who was the former chairperson of Mensa in Toronto. Hmm. So, real smarty pants. Um, There was Andy H., who was an industrial engineer, his wife, Lorne um al peacock who is a heating engineer bernice m who is an accountant dorothy o'donnell who's a bookkeeper and sydney k who's a sociology student and then observing this whole thing was a psychologist named dr joel whitten okay so he was just kind of overseeing this making sure that everything was done scientifically and yeah just kind of watching seven yeah so that's, and again, that's a great thing about this structure is like it was really done in a, in a scientific method. Mm-hmm. So let me tell you the history of Philip. Sure, go. And this was written by one of the eight, um, again, they just kind of tasked with coming up with the most, uh, wild background they could. So this guy, his name is Philip Aylesford, and they drew a picture of him. They all agreed on what he looks like, and- i just texted you that picture i want you to take a look at it it right now look at it now it's pretty fucking
1: hilarious is it gonna haunt my dreams no it's going to make you laugh oh my god philip has a secret for sure (laughs) this looks like a young santa claus or like scott calvin (laughs) this guy looks like if jesus and santa claus had a brother
0: and then their, like, 10-year-old niece tried to draw <laughs> <Yeah>. that
1: brother. <laughs> but also, he definitely has a secret.
0: I thought <laughs> it was so weird that they just, like, stuck with the... They only drew the one picture. They didn't try to, like, flush it all out at all. No, nope, really that's just, just stopped very this minimally. I think they nailed it. We'll have to post that picture. It's pretty funny. Philip's uh, cute. He's a cutie. I, I don't know if I agree with that, but I to each he's, his own. kind of cute. Okay, let me tell you about Philip Aylesford. And now let me say, a lot of this history I'm about to say is not real, and that's on purpose. So there's going to be a lot of historically inaccurate information. Okay. Don't come after me. (laughs) Philip Aylesford was born in England in the year 1624. This was a turbulent time in England as the witch hunts started in the 15th century and we're now reaching a dangerous peak with the Puritans coming into power and influence. In 1642, the country fell into civil war with the supporters of Parliament opposing King Charles I. Sounds like a terrible time to be alive. It does. Good thing nobody was alive because this is all fake. <laughs> this is all made <laughs> up. Cool. Philip, who had led a relatively peaceful life up until the start of the war, was actually knighted by the age of 16 for his loyalty and military prowess. Well, well, well. So a perfect example of how none of this is actually real or will make sense because if he was knighted at 16, but the war started in 1642, just he was math. 18 at that point. Right. I guess you can be knighted before a war starts, but it just seems like, well, if he's being knighted for his loyalty and his military prowess... <laughs> Uh, Anyways, already, math's off. So Philip grows up, and while he was out on a king's errand, he met somebody named Dorothea. She was a beautiful daughter of a nobleman, and after some time of getting to know her, he asked her for her hand in marriage. The moment that the marriage was official, though, Dorothea changed, becoming cruel, cold, and distant towards Philip brutal she was said to cause violent arguments you know philip was actually really soft-spoken and, and she
1: yeah, just walked you can, all over you him philip takes a lot of shit just yeah, look at his face exactly
0: i mean yeah that we'll put up with anything he's soft for sure soft boy so, you know, it got to the point where he was like, I do not want to be a part of this marriage anymore. This sucks. But it's the 1600s. What's he going to do? Exactly. And he's a devout Catholic. So divorce is just not. Can't do it. In the picture. So he kills her. So he basically just spends as much time away from the house as he can. Okay. You know, he yeah. just, he's like, okay, you do your thing. I'm going to go out riding. I'm going to do everything I can to just not be around you. This is our life, and we're stuck. Poor
1: guy, who's not real again. Yeah, not real. Yeah.
0: So as he's out on one of his excursions, just staying away from Dorothea, he comes across a group of Romani people mm-hmm. and meets a young woman named Margot. Stunning, of course. Piercing blue eyes. Yes. they
1: fall in love, of course.
0: And you know, and she was also a very caring woman, very warm. Mm-hmm. Everything that Dorothea was not. Mm-hmm. Um, so. He, he decides that she is his one true
1: love. I'm going to let this happen again because they're not real. Right. Philip deserves this.
0: So he ends up sneaking Margot into his family's gatehouse and Whoa. basically having her live there in Whoa. secret. I know.
1: Bold. Very move. bold.
0: Well, so bold that it really didn't take long for Drathea to figure out what was well, going yeah. on. What are you And thinking? confront them. Right. Ridiculous. So, taking advantage of the times, Dorothea accused Margot of being a witch, and thus it led to Margot being arrested and charged with witchcraft. Because you know, it took nothing in those days. Yeah, she
1: seduced my husband. Right? Exactly. Witchcraft.
0: Yes. Right. So it got to the point where she was charged, and I would have loved to hear. I would have loved to hear Philip
1: being like, "Actually, my wife is just a bitch." Right.
0: Well, that's the thing. Philip did not speak up for her at all. The Phillip, trial no. went by, and he oh just sat God. there with his stupid little soft mouth shut. Soft mouth. <laughs> and she gets charged, and the oh. the um, sentence for witchcraft is death. Of course. Punishable by death. So Damn, he Phillip. just sat there watching her burn at the stake. Like That's fucked up. A total coward. That's horrible. It was horrible. What a and roller coaster. after the events, he becomes extremely guilt ridden. Good. And between that and the civil war being over, he really was like, I don't have anything else to live for. There's no military for me to really be involved in right now. Like He's too close to his wife. <laughs> right. Yeah. So he unfortunately takes his own life. Damn. And, in the lore of Philip, every one hundred years of the um anniversary of his death, he can be seen at the area where he took his own life searching around looking for Margot
1: interesting, so did the experiment group try to make the anniversary where they could like potentially see this happen? I
0: don't think, or if they did, that was not covered. This was just kind of part of his story because I think the whole point is to have a collection of answers that then they can draw upon while asking questions. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're in contact with a spirit and you're like, um, you know, how old were you when you were knighted?
1: 16.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, they have to like have a story so that he has something to draw upon. So I don't know. I guess in theory, the question could be like, what do you do every one hundred years? I haunt where Mark. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know Definitely what cool. they did with it. It's just part of that flushed out tale of who Philip is. Cool. All right. So that is the history of Mister Philip Aylesworth. Honestly,
1: if it were a show, I'd watch it. Enthralling.
0: And we'll go into this later, but there are a couple other experiments that followed this one, and those made-up stories. We're even more tragic, so yeah. it gets dark. We don't need to do there right now. It's
1: giving me like Bronte sisters in the level of sadness that it is.
0: All right. So going back into the the experiment, the way that they decided to go about this was once a week for a year, they met up and they would just meditate on Philip. They think about his story. They would just like concentrate on him and and try to manifest him in whatever way they can. Come to me, Philip. Let me see you, Philip. And really, Dr. Owen, he wanted, his goal was to see something manifest physically. Mm-hmm. That was his goal. He wants to see if he can make a ghost appear physically. Right. After a year, it was a total no-go. Nothing was happening. Okay. However, there was some interesting work being done at the time by some other parapsychologists around the classic nineteenth century seance um what they call like table turning mm-hmm. and what these folks were looking into was kind of the same thing. Are the events that are happening in that seance can they be explained by people in a subconscious manner not in like the i mean obviously like the fox sisters like there were there were people who were Definitely charlatans who of were trying to... Well,
1: as we established on last episode, two things can be true.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so there were people who were definitely charlatans, and then there were some people where they could not be debunked. But whether they could be debunked or not, the question is, is this coming from some other thing with agency, or is this coming from the collective in the room for mm-hmm. some reason or somehow? And so this group of eight decided to try a new approach. They ended up getting a table, like a card table, and they try to summon Philip using those seance techniques. Cool.
1: So this is a different group of people. No, this is the main
0: this is the Philip experiment people. And and they they decided to make this change based on some other studies that Dr. Owen had observed colleagues doing about the seances. So he was like, Oh, that's interesting what you guys are doing. We're gonna try that with our study. Nice. So that involved them getting a card table and everybody putting their hands on it, just lightly placing their hands on it. And after four sessions, mm-hmm. they started to have some interactions. Cool.
1: What were they using? To communicate. So they didn't have like an
0: EMF detector. They didn't have Ouija anything. Board, no, no they didn't have a Ouija board or anything like that. They just were outwardly asking these questions. Okay. Now, one thing to say too, when they took on this approach, they also decided to stay very lighthearted with it. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest things with all of this was, you know, it, it really was important for the eight to believe. That Philip could come through, right? Really believe that it was possible because belief was just—it was one of the ingredients that they felt was like really important. Yeah, and so with that, um, they thought, okay, well, if we're recreating a séance, what was a séance like? It was kind of like a party. It was kind of like you know all these people getting together. They're they're excited and interested and just probably laughing and probably more jovial because back at the time to- in the 19th century I mean this was a form of entertainment too people would have these seance parties yeah and so they made the conscious decision to stay very light and and lighthearted um so you'll and and by the way all of this is on tape so this whole thing has been filmed and i watched it Uh, so the whole time they are just like giggling and laughing and like hey philip how you doing all right can you show me something like what do you Mm -hmm. got for us today philip and so a lot of it was just with their hands on the table and they started receiving knocking on the middle of the table and then the table started to move on its own rotate go on one side go on the other side um the legs would fall off they broke countless amount of tables um and yeah so and then they were able to replicate these results Hmm. to the point where for about five years after this they went on a tour of like they were on tv stations they were in the newspaper you know telling everybody about the results and I got to see one of their television appearances and in that they, you know, try the experiment and you, <laughs> you see the, her, them break, I think, three different tables and this is all with their hands just like lightly sitting on top. Hmm. Now, Yes, a person can be pushing this table around, you know, yeah. and we'll get into the theories later. But just from the naked eye, it really looks like this is all just happening on its own. And it's really interesting when the table would like actually turn over to its side where people had to like get out of the way and move because their side that they were holding is now on the ground. So they're like all just kind of jointly moving. It would it would corner people sometimes like the table would put them in a corner to where they really couldn't move.
1: So it, it was interesting. What kind of answers were they getting out of Philip,
0: so they decided to go with yes or no, uh yes, one knock two uh no would be two knocks right and they were asking questions to do with his history mm-hmm. and consistently they were getting answers back that were correct to to Philip's history. Mm-hmm. And they even brought other people in to participate in their seances or in their sessions too. So, really, like they gave everybody an opportunity to observe and be a part of this because they wanted to test it and, you know, make sure it's actually working. And what's interesting is, you know, if you take these things uh, at face value, if you say, okay, it is Philip knocking, it is Philip moving the table and whatnot, even still, uh, Dr. Owen decided that it was a failed experiment because, again, his main goal was to have something manifest physically.
1: So in Dr. Owen's mind, he wasn't accomplishing anything that he didn't already know to be true. He, based on his observations in Scotland, his theories that, rather, that people were creating these effects. And so him experiencing this was going in line with his observations from Scotland
0: now i wish that they would have elaborated a little bit more on what the experiences were of of those in scotland i am just curious to know if they saw any apparitions because mm. he is really gung-ho on trying to make an apparition right through thought
1: is, is a because he mentioned he didn't say ghost he said uh poltergeist right
0: right and And poltergeist behavior is usually right they don't appear usually it's going to be things being thrown across the room furniture moving things like this so stuff happening and you can't see who's doing it and so i i'm curious as to why he wanted to prove this in a physical way versus just saying like hey look we made this ghost with Mm -hmm. our minds just like how these people probably made theirs with their mind I'm not sure why the physical portion of it was the crux of his uh, experiment, but it was. And so even after all of this, if you want to say evidence of five years of them, you know, uh, getting these results, he decided it was a failed experiment. And so there were some other experiments that took place after this to kind of copy the effects. One of them was in 2004 and it was called the Humphrey experiment, and that was conducted by the Maryside Anomalous Research Association in England. So this is 40 years later. Right. And in 2007, they had one called the Skippy Experiment, and that was conducted in Sydney, Australia. Mm -hmm. And uh, both of those were modeled after the experiments that Dr. Owens did. They had the same kind of Evidence where there'd be knocking and and tables moving, but nothing manifested physically. So again, it was considered failed experiments. And one thing that was interesting is with the Skippy experiment, they didn't have any results until they changed from a four-legged table to a three-legged table.
1: That I Once wonder why. Once they
0: hit the three-legged table, they
1: were able to make things move. That's weird. Three-legged tables are supposed to be sturdier than four-legged tables.
0: Sturdier, yes, but maybe easier to
1: pivot. Maybe, yeah. Um, I do have a question for you. Yeah, why do you think, or why does it say rather that the Philip experiment and its evidence like fell to the wayside? Why do people disregard it?
0: Well, I think that goes into um, whatever theory you decide to subscribe to, and I'll go over some of the theories that people have come away with.
1: There wasn't like some scandal like, no oh, no Ellen scandal really it just
0: it happened um mm-hmm. it was interesting it made it on tv maybe in the news I and mean, maybe it just had to do with the interests at the time and the and that mm-hmm. community sure. i'm not certain mm-hmm. now let's get into the theories yes let's one has to do with those classic seances in the 19th century like we said some of them can be outright dismissed and uh, as
1: charlatans yeah and others i remember like Harry Houdini was on a rampage. To, like, yes. Harry Houdini. Yeah. He Hated was just like,
0: ha- had it out for him. And then like I mentioned before, the Fox sisters were these three sisters who really like took advantage of hundreds and hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. And eventually one of the sisters was like, yeah, we, you know, I'd crack my knuckles and that, you know, people would think it was Knox. Like she, would, she, she let everybody know the secrets of like what they were doing. She, um, what a, what a so traitor! they outed themselves. <laughs> yep. Wow. However, um, There was a famous scientist in 1853 called Michael Faraday, and he went out to prove that although the tables were actually moving, maybe not all of them were moving because you had a charlatan running the seance, but maybe it was moving because of something in the collective subconscious that was happening to where everybody was involved in the table moving. And this is what he calls the Idiomotor response, which is where participants, when they all believe in something, truly believe in it, which again with the Philip experiment experiment, it was very important that they believed. Mm-hmm. When everybody believes, then you have these minute, you know, hard to even register muscle movements to where people are pushing this table around in, in very small, minimal ways where they don't even acknowledge that they're doing it mm-hmm. and you can't even see it, but everybody is in that same state of believing that it's happening. And so their body is kind of entranced into this belief. And so their body is, is flowing and moving with it as well.
1: Right. That makes sense.
0: Um, and kind of to break it down that idiomotor. so idio is that is idea um so it is in your head and motor response you know that would be a physical response to this so it's something in your head but that you're having a physical response to mm-hmm. so the idea then is yes the table is moving but it's not because of something paranormal it's because everybody believed this thing and and thus their their muscles were making it move now that's interesting because that then takes us into the the second theory which is that it was all a hoax and a few things could come from that so one if it were a hoax you know you'd wonder and like nobody made any money off of this there weren't actually any books put put out by the eight uh participants in it yes they were like on a few tv shows but like they didn't make any money from that and with it being a scientific study and the fact that at the end of the day he's after five years he's like you know what it failed like this what we didn't get what we wanted from it it just makes you kind of think like well then what to what end like why did they fake it but if they did how do you fake it while keeping people believing And then the answer would be, well, maybe there's one person, like one person in the group who is is faking it, but everybody else still believes, and so Mm -hmm. they're able to make this happen. Right, a shit stirrer. Right, right. Which again, you know, I theoretically, even just one person, you know, it shouldn't work, but maybe it has to do with how many people you have. Maybe just one person not believing won't make that big of a difference if you have eight people around a table. And that's another thing too, to kind of go back to the times that they had performed this experiment in the five years after developing it, is they would go from place to place to show their results. And some of the tables that they worked on were wooden, like big, heavy, Wooden furniture—they weren't always little light card tables, Mm -hmm. but they said they stopped using tables like that because they had like done damage to people's walls in homes because this table is just like moving around all willy nilly. That was a
1: family heirloom.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, (laughs) you know, kind of also going back to some of the ways that you could fake it is um, people would have a ring with like a little hook on it, so it looks like your hands on the table, but really you're lifting it up as you're lifting your hand up because the you your ring is like attached to it. But that is something where they all looked very closely. And every trust me, everybody was like trying to put holes in it. Yeah. You don't bring a bunch of people onto TV with a moving table and not try to poke holes in it. So mm-hmm. they had a lot of people kind of testing that out and they could not come up with a reason why that was happening. But again, those are just that's like an idea of one of the tricks that could have been used. Um, if they were just faking it. So another theory is that uh, really, it was a, it was a success. Even though Dr. Owen said he didn't believe it to be because nothing physical happened, you know, some could argue that they did manifest a spirit of a person that they created because they got responses and knocks and and interacted with something that had the information that they had created. So mm-hmm. maybe it worked. But then the fourth theory, and this really kind of gets into people who believe in the paranormal, is what if it was another spirit – that was fucking with them pretty much pretending to be philip but it was just kind of a trickster spirit yeah and that to me kind of reminds me of like a ouija board where you know someone will summon their grandmother and then it turns out they have this horrible dark entity that comes through who's pretending to be the grandma it's like
1: yes i saw a really great saw a really great movie called seance yeah is that's the whole premise
0: yeah i mean that's kind of like anytime talks someone talks about a ouija board it's like oh did you have a demon come through
1: like that's just like what happens these so these girls i think this was made over lockdown because the the whole thing is like 45 minutes long and it takes place over a zoom call and these girls get together because they're like all in different cities or whatever and they have hired a medium to kind of do a seance Mm -hmm. and the medium has like really bad service so she like glitches out and they're One girl is saying like, I don't remember, let's call him Jack. Um, She's referencing this guy, Jack, who was in her class and he died and all this. And then the medium like loses reception and her call ends. And then the girl starts laughing and she was like, that was hilarious, right? And and from there, the movie really derails. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's obvious that in summoning this Jack person, they've let some other dark entity in. Yeah. It's a really cool movie because, like, the medium gives the group and, by proxy, the audience all this information. Like look for orbs look for this Mm -hmm. and so we the viewer are able to see like oh my god there's an orb in like her screen right there yeah so it was a really great movie did you see that orb that pushed oprah down no (laughs) (laughs) there's video
0: footage i think it was like from this week or something or i I don't know not too long ago but she was on stage like giving a big speech i don't know look like a ted talk or something she was walking around pacing and uh she's in the middle of the stage And now she claims she had bad footwear on, but it really looks like she was pushed. But right at that moment before she was pushed, there's like this orb, like directly above her head that wasn't there. And then it just like came in and it wasn't like a floating thing. Like it wasn't moving around. And, you know, you can say whatever you want about orbs, but it is pretty funny because it looks like she's being pushed and there's an orb right there. Yeah. Look it up.
1: Hmm. She really eats it. Yeah. Do you see the orb? Yeah, it was really small. It looked yeah. like a it wasn't I would say it was like 2 feet away from her head. Yeah. And then it kind of like, I don't know, through the lighting like disappears. Yeah. And then she fucking she eats each shit. <laughs> but I mean, but I thought that looked more she like She could have been wearing stilettos. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, she could have been, but I did feel like it had kind of that trajectory where it like didn't seem like and a natural it didn't seem like a natural maybe trajectory. Maybe she was doing that thing tripping.
1: like I remember being a kid and having like my first pair of heels and just yeah. like fucking around on them. Maybe she was like pivoting on her heel or something. Maybe so. Maybe. I don't
0: know. But anyway, of words, I that's hope that's she's funny. okay. Thoughts <laughs> and, and prayers to Oprah. She, yeah, she'll be fine. She'll be fine. Kind of bringing it back to Ouija boards. Um, you know, like somebody pretending to be Philip going through the Ouija board. Mm-hmm. I mean, then that calls back to, you know, one of the biggest arguments for Ouija boards being nonsense is that idiomotor response where people are moving it without recognizing that they're doing it because everybody is together with the intention of of having it move. And mm-hmm. so their muscles are making it move. And sure. one of the ways that they debunk Ouija boards is if you put a, a, a blindfold on somebody, then they are not having the same kind of influence from others. And thus it either doesn't go anywhere or it doesn't land on a word or on a letter or anything like that basically just doesn't work so blindfolding people while doing the oeg experiment apparently i have not tried i will not try but they say that that keeps it from working so you know so we have the ideomotor response we have the trickster spirit we have it being a full-out hoax or we have that it actually worked right that's the philip experiment and that is uh another callback to how many different ways you can look at and approach the idea of a tulpa this by definition i think would fall into that egregore Mm -hmm. uh, category um but when you talk to paranormal people about tulpas so many of us are like do you know about the philip experiment
1: yeah i think you're right it's like the umbrella term yeah um wild well cool So, tulpas are definitely more the word that's in pop culture, I think. Even even then it's on like the outskirts. But for me, when I was thinking of Tulpas, I immediately thought of that movie Practical Magic.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. So
1: for those few people who haven't seen that movie, do yourself. Get out of here. Go watch the movie. Get out of here. Go watch the movie. But in it, um, when Sandra Bullock's character is a little girl, she devises a spell. And it's like a wish. Right. And she basically comes up with this boy, this band for her to fall in love with that she perceives as impossible. Mm-hmm. So like he has one blue eye, one green eye. His favorite shape is a star. He can flip pancakes in the air. He can ride a pony backwards. All of these things that, you know, a little kid would think are impossible. Um, and then lo and behold, she grows up and this, this guy, this mysterious guy, Aiden Quinn comes on the scene and, um, he can do all of that stuff. Mm. And then does he have one green eye, one brown eye or whatever it was? Yeah. One green eye, one blue, he does. And, um, so she realizes it she remembers and she's like trying to. Now she's a witch, mind you. Yes, she so, is an actual witch. She's an actual witch in in this, so it's not crazy. But she is kind of like rethinking everything. Is this person real? All of this, and she says to him at some point or another, "I wished for you," mm-hmm. and he is like, "I wished for you too." Oh my god! Aww. So I was saying that that was a tulpa, but after researching tulpas. I mean, that's a physical entity. I guess it's not. Right. But in the Tibetan Buddhist teachings of a tulpa, maybe it is. I'm still not sold that a tulpa in that way, the Tibetan Buddhist teachings, isn't a person. Right. It's unclear.
0: I mean, and that's what seems to be happening in like the scientific studies of it. it no matter what, the physical manifestation seems to be elusive still.
1: Mm. It's also fiction, but… Um, speaking of fiction okay um have you seen the movie drop dead fred uh, yeah actually i have yes <laughs> so this was a movie that was on like heavy rotation mm-hmm. at my house i love this movie as a was kid. that on disney i feel like it was i on don't think every- it, w- yeah. it wasn't a disney movie um actually thinking back to
0: it i'm like oh god that should was not have been on disney <laughs> definitely not a disney movie
1: it's really dark yeah it was. um so for those people who haven't seen it I don't know if you should watch it. I mean, probably.
0: It might hold up. But you another. can wait until the ep- end of this episode. You got to yeah, pause don't, and go watch Practical Magic. If you haven't
1: seen Practical Magic, stop what you're doing. Go watch it right now. If you haven't seen Drop Dead Fred, just listen to the uh, end of the episode and then go watch it. So just to describe it a little bit, this woman, Elizabeth, is having a terrible time at life. She's in her mid-20s, but she's repressed and oppressed. Her cheating husband wants a divorce despite her wanting him back yikes you know her purse gets stolen her car gets stolen she gets fired from her job and this is all in the same day Mm. all in just the opening of the film so she runs into a childhood friend who reminds her of her imaginary friend Mm. as a as a kid drop dead fred she remembers fondly that while fred was this wreaker of havoc Mm -hmm. um, he brought her happiness and peace in a turbulent home. Her, yeah. her mother was very abusive. So she thinks about that. She goes into her childhood home, finds this box that it was a Jack in the Box, which, by the way, Jack in the Box is like freaked me out. When was, oh, like, yeah. Kind of I don't like, they are literally made to scary. They're so scary. So um she finds this Jack in the Box that she remembers her mother taped it shut because she said that Fred was in there. And she was like, well, now Fred can't get out. So not nice Mm -hmm. um so she untapes it thinking about fred and then fred's back in her life so he's back in her life and he says he's there to stay until she's happy again and elizabeth of course thinks that the answer is to reconcile with her terrible husband so fred agrees to help win him back lots and lots of chaos ensues fred sinks a houseboat he smears poop all over her mom's furniture. I mean, ultimately, Elizabeth gets back in touch with her trapped inner child and frees her from her subconscious. Okay. So I think this is in line with those Tibetan Buddhist teachings. Mm-hmm. Fred was there to teach Elizabeth what she couldn't teach herself.
0: Right. Gosh, now I'm just like, okay, imaginary friends. Like, where, yeah, where does one thing end in the tulpa begin?
1: Right. So earlier in the research, when people were talking about imaginary friends, they were thinking that imaginary friends didn't have their own agency and that tulpas did. So I suppose it would just depend on the experience of right. the child or the person who has the imaginary friend. Like one of my brothers, Billy, he had an imaginary friend and my mom kind of thinks that it was just a scapegoat. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, Nudie did it. Also, the imaginary friend's name was Nudie.
0: I mean, she also would, because most parents dismiss any kid's claims sure. or something and, that's and Billy outside doesn't, of the Billy normal doesn't remember. Realm. Yeah, and so, that's normal
1: too. So I think that's definitely an example of a tulpa.
0: See, though, I, I, I struggle to – I don't know if I agree, but just because it seems like all of the information that he had already lived within her subconscious and through the experiences she had as a child, she just needed help kind of like sorting through and unlocking them, right? So – Technically, it wasn't separate information and separate being. It's really just her inside of her head. But
1: I mean, you could argue that again about any Tulpa. That's tr- I know.
0: The whole thing is just so confusing. It's so hard to talk about. Yeah. I mean, one thing that came up... Um, it- again like in the paranormal world when people talk about this it was on an episode just a few weeks ago of the Jim Harrell's campfire he was talking to somebody who went to like a a notoriously haunted bridge Mm -hmm. and they got like EVPs I think of a woman screaming or something like that and I think and again I'd have to go back to listen to the specifics but I think in general that there was a specific story of a woman who was distraught probably for some sort of romantic thing and hung herself on this bridge and so there's that lore that goes around it where people like go and visit this haunted bridge mm-hmm. and so uh, jim proposed the idea of like have you thought about how this could potentially be a tulpa and i think that his suggestion was that when you have a group of people who are consistently going to this space with this story in mind and with the energy of like this thing is here. So they're going into it with the intention and giving it the energy of almost like creating this story of something that may not actually exist, may not actually be happening. There might not be a ghost there, but because everybody thinks there is mm-hmm. and they all are expecting a certain thing, yeah, that thing is happening only as a result of the expectations and the energies of the people versus the spirit with that outside agency.
1: makes sense. You know the power of belief right. It comes up a lot on this podcast. Believe
0: it or not. I believe it. I believe it. All right. Well, there we have it. I personally feel like a freaking scientist yeah. after all of the research today. Yep. Yep. Is P- this how you feel when you do your P- science research? PhD.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So smart.
0: Wow. I would say that I should do this more because the feeling is, is great. It's euphoric. But mm-hmm. What I'll do is just check scientist off my list and move on with my life.
1: <laughs> Been there, done that. It's old news now.
0: All right, guys, I hope you got something from this. Hope you all know a little bit more about tulpas. I think maybe you know a little bit less about tulpas because we can never quite pin it down.
1: Yeah, tulpas, they're a slippery, slippery guy. You can't (laughs) can't pin him down. Ew. Too slippery.
0: Ew. Stop saying slippery. (laughs) All right, guys, I'm going to let you go so you can stop hearing her say the word slippery. If you do have any tulpa or egregore-related stories or anything that's just Way Too Weird. Give us a shout. You can email us at
1: waytoweirdpod at gmail.com. With the number two. You can also find us on Instagram at waytoweirdpod. And again, that's with the number two. Please make sure to like and follow the Way Too Weird podcast on your streaming platform and to share it with all of your friends. Share it. So you're going about your day, after you listen to this podcast, you know, if things start to, I don't know, take a turn and they start to suck when you're feeling sad and lonely. Yeah. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's maybe a tulpa
0: you can call on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. If you don't have a tulpa or friend you can reach out to, just turn inward and think to yourself, hey, what's the best that could happen?
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. Stay curious and keep Keep it it weird. Weird.
1: Way Way too weird. weird.